the world we live in today is changing. And, you know, we, we wish and we hope and we pray sometimes for things to go back to the way it was. You know, a lot of us would say, well, I wish we could live back in the 50s or 60s or 70s or whatever. You know, times were good. Those were really good times. But sadly, the world um, has changed in a direction that is getting farther and farther away from God, farther away from spiritual things, farther away from morality, and the world is continuing to change. Sometimes changes happen in our life that are good for us. We like certain things that make changes in our life. Maybe we can remember something that happened in our life that changed us, changed our course in life. There may have been an event or something that caused us to go in a different direction than where we were going before and things that change continually maybe in our life from day to day. The life of a Christian is a, is a, is a life of change. And how great it would be for Christ to change the, the lives and the attitudes and, and all the things that we worry about in the world today if Christ was in the things that are in the world. If Christ was part of the decision-making process in the world, we pray for our leaders that there might be a, a change or a return to mor <clears throat> excuse me, morality. But we see the world continuing to change and getting farther and farther away from these things. But when Jesus comes into a person's life, there is a change that happens. When Jesus touches the, the life of a human, their life changed. We can take from our text... In Matthew, the 8th chapter, in verses 2 through 3, we're going to notice several examples of what happened to people when their lives were touched by Jesus. In Matthew 8 and 2 through 3, And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Notice the blind man in Matthew 8 and verses 22 through 25. And he becometh, cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up, and he was returned and saw, and he was returned and saw every man clearly. Notice the man with a withered limb in Matthew, the 12th chapter, verses 10 through 13. And behold, there was a man which had a withered, had a hand withered. And verse 13, then he said to the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it forth, and it was restored whole, like as the other. How about the widow in Nain? Luke 17, verses 11 through 15. And it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and much people. Now when he came nigh to the, city of, to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. 
and much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Weep not. And he came and touched the bear, that is, an open coffin. And they that bare him stood still, and he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he, was, and he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. Jesus touches the lives of men and women today. Of course, we don't see the miracles and we don't experience the miracles because the miracles that were talked about here in these verses don't happen anymore because they had a, they had a purpose. But in, in illustration, Jesus touches the hearts of men today and when their hearts are, are touched, their lives change completely. When you're touched and changed, you have a deeper foundation. We notice how buildings are built. We notice how big skyscrapers are built. They dig down deep into the earth and they, they get down to solid ground and they pour footings and put rebar in it and concrete and all kinds of things to make a sure and strong foundation. They don't build it upon mud. They don't build it upon sand, but they want to make sure that the foundation is very, very strong. And when a Christian life is built, the beginning is not on the outside, but it's on the inside. It's on the foundation within a man's spirit, within his soul. You have to go much deeper than just the outside. The foundation is laid upon Jesus Christ. And if you don't build on that foundation, your spiritual life will crumble. You see, the world and the denominational world builds their lives upon other things other than Jesus Christ and his teaching and God's teaching, and those things will eventually crumble and fall. The time and elements, the winds and things of that nature that come along will cause those things to dissolve and to be gone and, to, and be destroyed. But if your life is built upon the solid rock, Jesus Christ, it will stand through the ages and through eternity. You know, families must be built upon Christ. And young people's lives must be built upon Christ. We see the family crumbling in society today. It used to be that half of the people who got married, their marriages ended in divorce. If I remember right, I think it's much more than that now. And people just think of marriage as something, as an agreement for However long we can get along, we'll just kind of stick with it. But if it doesn't go right, then we'll just let it go and go on to something else. That's not what God intended for the family. And if the family today is not built upon Jesus Christ, where there is something that is completely common between the two, it will crumble. It will have problems. It will have trials that come its way. And so it is also with young people. When they build their lives, they need to be building their lives upon Jesus Christ. Jesus said in Luke 6 and verses 46 through 49, And why call, why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently upon the house, and it could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not 
is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth, again which, which, against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of the house was great. Notice also second, or 1 Corinthians 3 and verses 10 through 13. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and upon and, on, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, <clears throat> for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. You see, time and elements make their mark and decay on everything in this world, but neither time or anything else can affect the 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 person that has their life sure and steadfast in the foundation of Jesus Christ. Remember that song that says, Upon the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. A life that is not built upon the strong foundation will be a rock that will be a, a life that is not sure and steadfast. Notice also Hebrews 3 and verse 8. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we don't have to worry about that foundation ever crumbling because it's something that, that we can rely on. We can build our, our spiritual life on that and not have to worry about anything else. But when Jesus touches the, a life, he lifts us out of the sinking sand and places our feet on the rock and gives us an eternal foundation. Notice Psalm 40 in verses 1 through 3. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up out also up out of the a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it, and fear, and shall trust in the Lord. We see the lives of people change when Jesus is involved in their life, when Jesus is that foundation of their spiritual life. We see lives change for the better. Maybe you've seen someone that was in sin, maybe whatever it was, maybe it was, maybe it was drugs, Maybe you've noticed a family member that was involved with drugs or maybe they were in, involved in, in living a, a riotous life or some kind of promiscuity, whatever it may be. But when Jesus touches their life, their lives change. It lifts them up out of the miry clay and sets their feet on solid ground. Also, when you're touched and changed, the world really sees a difference. <clears throat> I might say that the world should see a difference because we are not of the world. We're separate and apart from the world. We can't tell sometimes the difference, though, for those who are living in sin and then also call themselves Christians. But we ought to see that difference. And when Jesus really touches the heart of man, 
there is a difference. Notice in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature or a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Galatians 6 and verse 15, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. Ephesians 4 and verses 22 through 24. That ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Colossians 3 and verses 1 through 14. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time, and ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. For there is neither Jew nor Greek, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye, and above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. He tells us here in the last, latter part of this, these scriptures that we just read about the things that we should put on in our life. Taking the old man of sin and putting it off, taking it off and putting on the new man, the new created man within our lives. All these things, love and mercies and kindness and humbleness, meekness, long-suffering, and we see that the world today doesn't have these traits. Not that there aren't good people out there, because there are. But it seems like we're bombarded with all these attitudes of selfishness and all these kind of things. But so when we are touched by Jesus, we are changed with our attitudes and with our dispositions in life. And the whole world sees and should see the change in us. When you're touched and changed, you're made better on the inside as well. We change our affections from things of the world to spiritual things. Our desires are changed from the desires of the world and desires of our own fleshly lusts to things that are godly and that we serve our God. 
In doing this, we're made free. We have a hope and a peace that other men and other people can't understand. We're changed on the inside. Notice Romans 6 and verses 16 through 23. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of disobedience unto righteousness? But God bethink that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of, the, of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, when we are touched, we are changed on the inside. You know, and sometimes we've seen this happen, that we worry about folks, and we think that we need to change the outside first before we change the inside. We need to get them all in line with what we think the Christian ought to look like and and dress like and talk like and all these things. But the thing is, when the heart is changed, those things do change. It may take a little while, but they change. We have to give people the opportunity to grow. We have to let them learn. We have to let the Word of God sink into their minds and, and so they can apply it in their lives. But eventually, when that person is changed on the inside, when you're touched and changed, you live a better life on the outside as well. Jesus said in Matthew 5 and verse 14 through 16, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So when Jesus touches the lives of a person. They're, they're changed on the inside, and that cleans us up on the outside as well. That cleans us up on the outside as well, so that others see Christ living in us. We do things differently than we used to. We don't do things that we used to do, and things of that nature. We're changed on the outside. We're made different on the outside. Also, when you're touched and changed, you have a different spirit or a different attitude. The spirit that we're talking about is the Christian spirit. The spirit of Christ is the spirit of love and forgiveness. Jesus loved those, loves those who love him, but he also loves those who hate him. Until we're trying to live a life that is mimicking Christ we haven't got it all figured out. We can't just change a couple things. We can't just 
say, well, I'm not going to drink anymore, or I'm not going to steal anymore, or I'm not going to kill anymore, and, but I'm going to go ahead and go to church, and I'm going to worship, and, and I'm going to do that isn't That isn't just going to church isn't what it's all about. It's much deeper than that. Unless you have the Spirit of Christ in your everyday life, we have a long ways to go. Notice Philippians 2 and verse 5. 5 Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. It's an attitude of how we deal with others and how we deal with things in our life. Galatians 6 and verse 1, Paul said, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. How we deal with other people, how we deal with problems in our life. If we've been touched and changed, we should have the spirit. We love people, we forgive them, we help them in every way that we possibly can and leave everything else in God's hands. When you're touched, touched and changed, you give more. You know, one of the traits of a good Christian is that they see not what they need, but they see what others need. They see what others are lacking in their lives, whatever it may be. Giving their time and their talent to the, to the benefit of others and we should look upon the world as those are folks that need their souls saved. They're lost. They're hungry maybe for the word of God. And they need someone maybe just to mention to them the story of Jesus about what he did for them. Acts, two, uh, uh, Acts 20 and verse 35. I have showed you all things how that you, so laboring ye ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Also, when you're touched and changed, you have a better future waiting for you. The Christian has a hope of eternal salvation that those that are living in the world don't have. It won't count about how much money you have, how many things you have, all the pleasurable things that you've done in your life, the fame or the power or the position, whatever it may be, all those things will not matter on the day when the Lord returns. But you have a hope. You have a hope of eternal life which those that are living in sin and those that are living in the world don't have. So when you're touched and changed, you have a, a better future waiting for you. Paul said in 2 Timothy 4 and verses 6 through 8, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. What a wonderful thing. When we're touched by Jesus, when he reaches out and touches the heart of man today, they have a hope. We have a hope. A hope of eternity, which we're so, so thankful for. Jesus also said in Matthew 25 and verse 34, 
Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Also 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 9. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Revelation 21 and verse 2, And I, John, saw the holy city in New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. We can all thank God that he allowed his son to die for us. And that Jesus' blood touches us, comes in contact with us, and cleanses us from our sin. And by doing that, it gives us a hope. When a person is touched by the blood of Jesus, when he's touched by the hand of Jesus, we have a hope of eternal life. We have a hope of something that is beyond our comprehension. And we, we live, you know... In a, in a world it seems like today, you know, where everyone has their personal space. And you go up and you touch somebody and they say, don't touch me. You're in my personal space. We are the ones that allow Jesus to touch us. We are the ones that allow him to to touch our lives and to make the changes that need to be made in our lives. We can tell Jesus, don't touch me. You're in my personal space. And we see this in the world today where people will stick their fingers in their ear uh, to say, basically, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear about your Savior. I don't want to hear about Christ. And they can't be touched with the the hand of Jesus because they won't allow it. But we are the ones that allow Jesus to make the changes in our life that need to be made. Revelation 3 and verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. Well, how can I change? How can Jesus touch me? Well, let's notice Romans 6 and verses 7, 6, 17 and 18. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin. Remember, we read this earlier. But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. Well, what is that form of doctrine? that he's talking about here. You have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine. To be freed from sin, we have to obey that form. And what is it? We first must, first must hear the word of God. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you're going to allow Jesus to touch your life, you have to hear his, his words. You have to hear the truth that is taught within his scripture. We also must have faith in what we've heard. Mark 16 and 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. We have to have faith in what we have heard and read and studied. Luke 13 and verse 3, it tells us that we need to repent. I tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. 
And then we must make the confession of our faith. Confess the name of Jesus Christ in Matthew 10 and verse 32. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. And then we must be baptized into Christ. Acts 2 and verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. To have our sins forgiven, we must obey that form of doctrine. This is the form of doctrine. This is the doctrine which God and Christ have given us and provided us to obey Him. Then we must remain faithful. Revelation 2 and verse 10, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. And then if we have strayed from the path of righteousness, we have done things wrong, we must confess our faults. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. This is the form of doctrine. This is how we allow Jesus to touch our lives and change our lives for the better, for the good, so that we can have a hope of eternal life. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.